This is Market Scales Knowledge is Power with your host, Brandon Pfluger. In this episode of Knowledge is Power, we'll be exploring several topics that shed light on one particular leader's pivotal moments in her exciting career, major learning moments she's had, and how her leadership has changed the way B2B companies communicate and engage in doing business. As always, you'll want to stick around for the end as we have a special sign-off ahead of next week's episode. Joining me today is Jessica Pantages, Chief Communications Officer at NSF International, an organization that protects and improves global human health. She has more than two decades of experience in the enterprise B2B space, leading marketing and communications divisions for some of the very best, including Oracle, General Dynamics, BAE Systems, Dell, Lockheed Martin, and Layton Construction, just to name a few. She's also a board member of Salt Lake Community College and an adjunct professor at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Jessica, welcome. Thank you, Brandon. I'm happy to be here. Excited that we're both on today. Um, so tell us, Jessica, tell us about yourself. Let's peel a few layers back um, and learn. What has shaped you into the strong leader that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, just so it, it's sort of... Um, what everyone would say, I suppose, but for me, it's really life experiences, you know, Brandon, whatever um, you sort of people have said, well, that would be an experience. It sort of seems like I have personally experienced it, (laughs) you know, whether it's um, being laid off from an organization or hiring uh, different people, um, you know, crises, uh, personal things, anything you can imagine, I've pretty much dealt with it. And I've you know, as you mentioned, a number of the industries that I've been in, construction, tech, public health, et cetera, being in so many vast industries, I think has really allowed me to be well-rounded and take lessons learned and apply them to my next career adventure. And I was really fortunate enough mid-career where I was provided the opportunity to work for a global company that moved me to a different country. And this experience was invaluable for me and really shaped quite a bit of who I am as a leader today. So anyone who has that opportunity, I would tell them to go and take it. And I think, you know, all of that together kind of has led to this part of my personality that's just never been afraid to take chances when it comes to my career. When an opportunity presents itself that I feel will challenge and stretch me, I take it. I love it. I love it. Well, let's, based off that, let's take it back in time a little bit and tell us how you got started in marketing and What's really changed over time for you? You've held leadership positions at some very strong companies, obviously uh, the construction space, uh, Lockheed Martin Dell, now the the public health uh, sector. Tell us a little bit uh, about how you got started, what's changed over time for you, and really highlight a few of the major learning moments you may have had along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think, you know, first of all, in terms of going back in time, um, when I was a little girl, I loved watching the Today Show and Jane Pauley, and she was my hero. And I would watch her every day, and I just thought she was the coolest person on the face of the planet. And I wanted to be Jane Pauley. And as I went through, you know, kind of elementary school and high school, and joined newspapers, and felt like journalism was going to be for me. And, um, and I was pretty good at it. And then when I went to college, I ended up getting the opportunity to shadow a broadcast journalist. And I thought it was going to be really exciting and great. And it was going to lead to this internship. And 
And the reporter in Nashville um, took me out to basically a shooting. And there was this mother on the street and she was crying. And the reporter walked right up to her and said, you know, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, how are you feeling? How How do you feel about your son's death? And it just really bothered me on a very fundamental level, that whole idea of walking up to someone who was in so much pain and agony and you're just forcing them to talk about their emotions at that moment. And it just really bugged me. And and it never, the idea of all the hard work that goes into journalism in order to become an anchor was never something that bothered me, but it was just that idea of having to have those kinds of conversations that I wasn't sure if that was me just at a fundamental level. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up, um, going back and sort of rethinking my career. And I was trying to figure out what could I do that would allow me to work with journalists, but not force me to have those kinds of conversations. And I kind of found PR and I sort of fell into it. And so that's how my career got started was I was going to be a journalist. And then I just decided rather than having to have those kinds of tough conversations, I'd rather be the one that helps protect someone. So that's how I I started uh, out in the PR field. And, you know, in terms of your question about what has changed over time, when I got started more than 20 years ago, you know, I was literally cutting clips from newspapers for for clients when I worked for the agency um, and creating a clipbook for clients that I would have to photocopy and then hand deliver. And so obviously, you know, the digital age has completely changed the marketing communications field. Everything's streamlined and digital now. Um, It's pretty amazing how much that has changed. The other thing I would add, and this obviously goes with that sort of digital space, is social media. Social media has absolutely changed our profession. Before, protecting a company's reputation was pretty straightforward, right? But now with social media, you have the two-way reputation, right, that you have to manage. You have two-way communication with customers, um, the general public, et cetera. And that requires 24-7 engagement to help monitor this sort of citizen journalism. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's taken strategic plans and response time to a whole new level. So that's some of the things that I've seen that has really changed since I started And then I think you asked about, you know, major learning moments along the way. So I think in every organization that you're in, there can be learning moments, no matter what, whether they're good or bad, right? And every company culture is different. So I make sure that I take the good and apply it to my career and that I learn from the bad. So I even worked once for a CEO who said, fail fast and move on. And I think that's true agility. So I've also found the evolution of careers very interesting. So we start off, you know, if you think about your first job, you start off very tactical and doing these tactical execution type things. And and over time, um, we take the things that we've learned from school and our first couple jobs and we start putting them into practice. And as I've continued to move up in my career, it's become less about my tactical skill set and more about the big picture strategy and cultivating relationships within the company. And that's been a change for me personally, you know, over time. And I think, you know, the building those relationships, whether it's with senior leaders or to the front line, are so critical. 
Definitely. I, I can certainly resonate with that. The more FaceTime you can have with the leadership, the executive uh, team, the, the ones making decisions, the more you can learn. Um, as you said, you, you kind of start tactical and then you start going more big picture. And while you're going more big picture, you're becoming more strategic um, and having those conversations certainly help. Um, I'd be interested to know more about a time that you had to make a tough or difficult decision. Uh, maybe you relied on one of those relationships with a mentor or even a mentee to help form that decision-making. Is there a specific memory you have of a mentor-mentee relationship that really sticks out to you? Yeah. You know, I would say this. I think the hardest decision that anyone will ever have to make as a manager is when you have to let someone go, right? And I never take this decision lightly because of the potential outcome that affects the person and their family. And I have personally been in that kind of situation um, where I've been laid off and that's really rough to have to go through. So I think it actually helps for me from a personal perspective that I have been through something like that because it helps me have a lot more empathy towards um, the person that I have to take this action against. And one of the, so there's a couple things that I do. First, if I'm struggling with an employee, I have a really great peer group at this point in my career who are CCOs at, you know, major airlines and financial services companies and work at agencies and work in tech. And, you know, they're really helpful for me when I'm dealing with something difficult because I can reach out to these peers of mine and discuss the situation. So the first thing I always do is I try to look at myself and ask how I can be a better manager. You know, could I support the employee within the organization better? Could I help them achieve more? And I talk that through with this group. Um, or I just, you know, ultimately, sometimes you just have to guide them to a better outcome and a better place mm -hmm. for them. But it's very helpful to have a group of people who can help you um, work through those kinds of issues. And in terms of a specific memory, though, that really sticks out to me, you know, I, I always try to listen to my team. That's really important to me and learning what motivates them, what challenges them, what they really want to do with their lives. That's very important to me as a manager. And once I understand that, you know, all of that, whether the personal or the career professional, my goal is to help them achieve greatness in that desire and that dream. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can give you an example of I had an employee once who was a wonderful woman. She was sweet and great and just, you know, one of the best people on the planet, really. But she did not like working where where we were working at a certain company. And she just had gotten to a point where she just hated working there and it made her sad. And so I remember her coming into the office and people in the team started telling me, you know, she's really, she really doesn't like working here. She's really upset. And she would go into her office and she would cry every day because she just really didn't want to be there. And I went and I had this conversation with her and I brought her into my office and I remember it was around the holidays. So this is the type of like, this isn't even the time you want to have this kind of conversation. And I sat her down and we talked about sort of life and how she was feeling. And, and she fully confessed, you know, at first, the first day she was a little bit reticent, you know, 
she, I think she was kind of surprised at my openness and wanting to help her because she had transferred from a different group within the same company, a different division. And so she came back the next morning at like 7 a.m. And I went in and I sat down with her and she told me that she was, had never really found her place here at this organization. And she just couldn't stand working there. But she had really needed this transfer to my division because her husband lived in the area. And she said, I can't pay for the move, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't really want to work for this company anymore. So what can we do? And I think if you're able to get to a point in a relationship with your employees where you can have those kinds of candid conversations, it helps things immensely. Because I was able to go and talk to my HR team and say, listen, we've got an employee who just, she doesn't want to work here anymore, but she doesn't want to pay back the relocation stuff. Is there something that we can do? Because, you know, she's affecting the team. They're upset because she's upset. She's upset just for being here. How do we all kind of progress through this and and move on? And so we were able to do that. And she has gone on to do amazing things with her career. You know, she's gotten additional degrees and she's written a book and I just think it's so great that she has gotten to this better place in her career and where she wanted to be personally and didn't have to just keep dealing with a situation where she truly wasn't happy. Wow. That's amazing. Sounds like your ability to have empathy, having been in a position in some sort of similarity at some point Mm -hmm. uh, throughout your career and really leveraging that relationship in your peer group, uh, mentoring and being the mentee in those situations and really focusing in on, on listening and putting yourself in their shoes and helping them get the best out of them and, and do the best for them. Um, while again, making sure the team is doing the best it can as well. That was a key focus. So I can certainly resonate with that. And, um, I think our listeners can as well. Now, Tell me, you you said uh, this particular employee really kind of spread her wings and and um, did some really amazing things afterwards. Um, how do you help your employees grow themselves professionally to get the most out of their potential? She did, yeah. I I think it comes back to you know what we were just discussing about empathy and listening to them and truly getting to know them on an individual level. That's really how I've managed to sort of help them grow themselves. Um, professionally and personally, as I mentioned, listen to both sides of the equation because both sides are equally important. It's important for me, especially to sort of understand the whole person when it comes to work every day, what motivates them, what challenges them, because it helps me support them better. And it's interesting um, because it's also when you get to those kinds of points Um, you can learn things and you'll, you'll learn to have really tough conversations with employees too. For instance, I had an employee once who is wonderful at her job. She was a high performer, actually really fantastic. And at the time, um, we were reporting into a chief marketing officer who had a different philosophy than me. And her view was once you find an employee who makes an executive happy, you keep that person there. Right. And that's a that's a typical, I think, almost maybe easier sort of philosophy. You know, (laughs) if you find someone really good, you want to keep them in their role. I think the more difficult path to take is to say, 
but what does that person really want? You know, do they want to stay in that, in that position? If they do, that's wonderful. But if they don't, and one of my employees had aspirations, she really wanted uh, to lead a team. She wanted to lead internal communications. And at the time she was running, um, she was managing executive communications for our executive vice president. And so her role was to make sure that his speeches were done right, his internal comms was perfect, his blogs were done, and she was fantastic. To this day, I would say she was probably the best executive comms person I've ever worked with in my life. But I knew that our chief marketing officer didn't want her to go anywhere. She wanted her to stay there. And the the issue that, that I think this employee had was she had made herself indispensable in the role. Like it was, she was the one that was doing it and no one else could do it. And it got to the point where she would work in the evening. She had three kids and she would work until three or four in the morning, just getting stuff done for this executive, which was really great for me because it made my life a little bit easier. You know, I mean, she just took this um, demanding situation and she just managed it for me. But in talking to her, as I said, she really wanted to go manage a team. And in talking to my boss, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So the hardest conversation, one of them that that you have to have, I think, as a manager, is sometimes you have to recognize you've got these all-star employees, but are they almost putting too much into the job to the point where they're indispensable? And how do you talk to them about pulling back a little bit? Can you pull back and you know not be so perfect because it's actually holding you back from what you personally want in your career? And that's a hard conversation for a manager to have, especially when you have someone who does their job so well, is to, you know, understand their personal point of it and try to help them there. So, and ultimately, I mean, I had to counsel her that, you know, and I probably even said, not as your manager, but just as more of a mentor, you need to potentially look outside this organization because you're not moving up. You're not moving anywhere. You've made yourself too indispensable into this role. So that's one of those kind of tough conversations that you have to have as, as I think, a leader. How do you counsel people to say, you know, you might have to go somewhere else if you really want to move up? Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, being able to be that mentor uh, as the manager uh, or the director uh, of people underneath you and you see that they really are all stars, um, you know, how do you have those conversations with them about, you know, knowing what you know, that they might not be able to move up, that they're making themselves too indispensable in this role. What are those conversations like for you um, to open them up to other ideas, dropping these, you know, maybe dropping hints or dropping ideas about, hey, talk to this person in the company. Um, You know, I think you should have a conversation with them and really allow them to open their eyes to other parts of the company. And maybe that, that role naturally just opens up or they create a role for that. How are those conversations for you? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a road that people could take and certainly something that I've counseled people on, especially when you're in some of the large organizations that I've been in, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, moving up in, in an organization and having sat on some of the leadership teams for communications for these big companies, one of the things that we're often looking for is someone who is open and willing to take a different role in a different division, because then you get to learn a different aspect of the organization or someone who is willing, you know, if you're in PR and you're willing to take on an internal comms role, 
to sort of broaden your own skill set within marketing and communications. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all absolutely things that I recommend to people and that I try to help people find, you know, places to go um, within the organizations that I work for. I think yeah. it's really important to get that breath. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and as we, where we are in the year right now, um, looking back at 2020 and looking forward to the new year here as we get started, obviously a lot of things have changed in uh, the marketing media world, communications world. Um, you know, the digital has been embraced more uh, and quicker than ever. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the trends that you anticipate your industry embracing as it moves forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that, you know, this is one thing that I think everyone is currently talking about is when the pandemic is over, what is going to happen to the facilities, the structures of organizations? And are people going to go back? Or are we going to have a blend of a virtual and a work, you know, physical workplace? Or are we just going to trend more towards the virtual? That's kind of an interesting topic for me because the organization that I work for is headquartered in Ann Arbor, but I live in Salt Lake. Um, I now have team members that work in London, in Hawaii, in Arizona, in Texas, you know, really in Europe, I mean, all over the place. Um, And so I think that, you know, what COVID may have taught us is that, and trust is certainly a big factor in this. I think management has to trust employees to know that they're doing their job. But I think COVID may have pushed some people to recognize that employees can be just as effective working from home. And what I'm excited about is the fact that I work for a company that embraces this virtual office. So now I can have a team that consists of the best of the best from literally all over the world, as opposed to just the best in a geographical area. And I think that's one of the most exciting things that we'll see coming out um, in the next year or, or so. Yeah, no, that's really interesting to that point there um, about having a larger talent pool. It's, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, where folks are going to now uh, to work remotely um, mm-hmm. and how that plays into their decision making going forward. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see on just another note, how companies deal with that in terms of recruiting, in terms of, um, you know, attracting uh, certain talents to their companies. Absolutely. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Um, only time will tell, as we all know. But mm-hmm. um, you know, with that saying in mind, I just created a quote there. Um, let's wrap <laughs> up here and l- give me one of your favorite quotes, Jessica, and you know, maybe tell our our listeners what it means to you um, and maybe how it came about. Yeah. So. My favorite quote is by um, an admiral, former admiral in the U.S. Navy. Her name was Grace Hopper. And her quote was, the most damaging phrase in the English language is, it's always been done that way. And I love that quote because I think, first of all, I found it when I was working in aerospace and defense. And I forget who told me it, but someone did. And it really resonated with me because I kind of think that's my career in a nutshell, is I'm always looking and trying to find new ways of doing things, trying to learn. I'm often brought into organizations that have, a, you know, an underperforming communications and marketing team. 
and I'm brought in to kind of revamp it and make it best of class. And so I guess that's why it really speaks to me is I just really like that idea of, you know, you sh- just because something's always been done one way doesn't mean you should keep doing it that way. I love it. That That's awesome. Um, and I love that uh, you found that from an admiral during a time where you were working kind of in that space as well. So um, can certainly resonate with that. And especially in B2B where things sometimes are a little slow moving, um, you know, things are a little slower than uh, other industries perhaps uh, to adapt and to change um, and to speed up uh, kind of their, their own transformations. Um, mm-hmm. It's certainly going to be interesting going forward again to see how people you really take the reins and uh, steer the ship forward. So I can definitely resonate with that and see how it can be applied in the real world as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, B2B sometimes can feel like the most difficult place to make changes in some of the organizations in that space. But I think, you know, even small things, you can make even small changes that will make a big difference in an organization. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jessica, I appreciate you joining us today. I'm really excited that we had you on and um, got to hear a lot of your different experiences. I think there's so many good points here that folks can, folks from all different levels in the workforce can really resonate with um, and take into consideration when they're managing others, when they're uh, dealing with a manager above them, and when they're looking at perhaps what is that next career step and looking for advice, hunting for uh, advice, and looking to uh, mentor-mentee relationships to help them really consider all things um, when they're making those decisions. So thank you so much for joining us today. And to all of our listeners, uh, please subscribe. And if you'd like to join our podcast, please drop us a note. We'd be glad to have you on. Until next time, that is all today. Thank you.